Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. So Randy preached a couple of weeks ago. I told him it was a prophetic message, whether he realized it or not, but he was talking about Joshua 3, uh, preparing the Israelites to go into uh, the promised land. And he said to them, they're going to go a way they haven't been before, right? You haven't been this way before, so get ready. There's going to be some things you haven't seen or heard or felt before, but just get ready. And then uh, Tim Shanahan opened up service, I think it was last Sunday, and he said, we're going to have to learn to maybe uh, pray a little different. We're going to have to learn to have a little bit more faith. We're going to have to do some things we haven't done before because we're going in a direction we haven't been before. So we need to be ready. We need to expect the unexpected. So I thought about that. And uh, I, need, I need some help. I have a little prop here I'm going to put on. So I thought about that, and I've planned to get myself ready. Come over here, Aaron, real quick. I don't want people to see me before. Yeah, so. All right, so. Uh, all right, here, so. Don't nobody be peeking over here. Yeah. All right, you hold that back right there. Okay. All right, strap this on right there. See you right here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there you go. Get the other ones here, okay? Okay. Oh, wait. All right, here we go. We're going somewhere today, guys. I'm going somewhere. You guys ready to go into the promised land? Are you sure? Because I'm ready. I'm ready to go into the promised land. Who's ready to conquer some land? You guys laughing at my sword or what? What you guys laughing at? I'm saying I'm ready to, I'll kill a demon right now. Come on, we're, what's that song? We're an army dressed for battle. Tim, you back there talking? I wanted to talk a little bit today about spiritual maturity. This is what some of us look like in the spirit. We got a sword, but also we got something else on. Some of us are still pooping on ourselves. Some of us are throwing up on other people. Some of us, when we have this sword, 
we, we're going to hurt somebody with it. Heck, we might even hurt ourselves. We don't know how to handle this. Why? We haven't reached maturity yet. We're not as mature as we think we are. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And you're going to stop laughing at me. Because I got this sword, right? You guys are afraid of this sword. When I have this sword in my hands, y'all afraid, right? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 9. But as it is written, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. As it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things... I want you to notice that word things, the things. That word is mentioned about 11 times in the next eight verses or so. There are some things the Lord has for us as a people. Verse 10, but God has revealed them. Well, what is them? Them, it's those things. It's destiny, it's dreams, it's callings. It's going from glory to glory. It's going into the promised land. It's moving forward in the things of God. What are those things? They're the things of God that he has prepared for his people. And it says, verse 10, God has revealed them to us through his spirit. And then go down to verse. Or no, we'll just go ahead and read it all. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Okay, so we can't know those things because the Holy Spirit knows them. Oh, but wait, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Well, praise God. We received the Holy Spirit, so that's good. Next phrase. So that we might know. Some of us still don't know yet. We're still wandering around. We're circling around in the wilderness, just wondering, what is it, Lord? I don't know. I got my sword, Lord. I'm ready. Got my outfit on, Lord. I'm ready. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Let's keep going. These things, these things of God, we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Okay, so we're talking about the things of God moving forward, his plan and purpose for you individually and us corporately. 
We love that. Yes and amen. But let's just go down to chapter 3. Just same context. Talking about the things of God. You need to be a spiritual man or woman to know them and to walk in them. But here's a problem. Chapter 3, verse 1. But I, brethren, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes or babies in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men, unspiritual people? Now he only lists a couple of things, envy, strife, and divisions, But there are other things that we do that reveal that we're still pooping on ourselves. We're still throwing up on other people. But we got the sword of the Spirit. We're ready to kill a demon. We have the promises of God over our lives and over this body. But here's the thing. If he has a promise over you, if he has a promise over this body, he's absolutely requiring our participation. He's requiring for us to grow up. He's requiring spiritual maturity. So that means I have to leave the comfort of something. I really like this. I don't want to lose this, but it has to go. I believe the way forward is called growing up, taking off this thing that catches all your poop, diarrhea, pee, whatever comes out of there. And you notice I got a belt on today. The belt of truth. So I wanted to, I'm just going to give you the points of my message. I'm not going to get into the details of it. But I wanted to talk about spiritual maturity, but I wanted to draw some conclusions from specifically Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb, they were of the generation that crossed over into the promised land. Caleb was a man that even God himself said, that man has a different spirit about him. There's something about that man. And when the other generations didn't move forward into things of God, it was Joshua and Caleb's generation that actually moved forward into the things of God. And I want to encourage you to read Numbers 13 and 14 on your own. We're not going to get into all of that today, but go read Numbers 13 and 14. It's really, really important that we actually look back into Old Testament stories to learn how to move forward. I want you to flip over now to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
It's extremely, extremely, extremely important that we do not keep repeating the same errors and making the same mistakes. Some of us think we can keep doing the same thing and get different results, or God will still move in my life, or we'll still move forward in the things of God, but God's saying, no, if you keep making the same mistakes, you'll keep circling around the same mountain. There's no, no one gets a free, I mean, I know we all think, like, I think I get a free pass, right? Like, at my time, with, I know, I'm known the Lord's favorite. Like, he loves me more than you all. I know that. But guess what? Like, he won't give me a free pass either. And I know you think the same thing, too. You're God's favorite. He loves you. You know, no, no. He loves me more. But here's the thing. No matter what, how you're thinking, no one gets a free pass. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is serious. This is weighty. Moreover, Brethren, brothers, sisters, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea. They were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Praise God. God led them, God delivered them, He provided for them, He did miracles, signs, and wonders. All the above. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, but wait, verse 5. But with most of them, or does that say some of them, or just a quarter of them? It says, with most of them, God was not well pleased. Therefore, their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. They never made it. They're probably in heaven with Jesus, but they never reached fullness. Let's keep reading. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after the evil things as they also lusted and do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things, we're asking God, God, why are you telling us those stories, God? Those, Those stories are old. Those stories are disconnected from us. They're unrelated to me, right? I'm the new generation. I don't need to hear their story, Lord. I got a new story. Wait, 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 nope. Verse 11. Now all these things happen to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. Another translation says they were written for our warning. So we would be very, very foolish to not look back and learn from previous generations. Hello, my generation. Sometimes people will come to me and say, Brennan, you seem so wise. Like, what do you do? Well, one, I pray and ask the Lord for wisdom. But two, I listen. I ask questions. I close my mouth and ask older people, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And let them talk because they're carrying way more wisdom than I am. We have this thing where because we have an opinion, we think everyone like, wants to respect us. People don't respect opinions. They respect experience. 
So if you don't have experience in a thing, you probably shouldn't be talking much about it. For example, my oldest child is six years old. You probably won't find me writing books on how to parent kids. Why? I'm still in the process. So what do I do? I go to someone who's gone before me, say, hey, my kid is doing this. Like, did your kids ever do that? And you learn from them. It's the same way in the Old Testament. So Joshua and Caleb, I want you to write these five things down. Five earmarks of spiritual maturity that you will find in the life of Joshua and Caleb. So in Numbers 13, go ahead and go there. Numbers 13 and 14. Specifically verse or specifically chapter 14. The first earmark to spiritual maturity you'll find in the life of Caleb and Joshua is that there was full cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Look at chapter 14 verse 22. He's talking about all the people of God and he says because all these men who have seen my glory in the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have put me to the test now these ten times and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him. We love to quote that part, right? He, different spirit, I got a different spirit. Blah, blah, blah. Next phrase, and has followed me fully. In other words, there was full obedience, not partial obedience, not when I want to obedience, full obedience. Because of that, the Lord says, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit the land. So number one, the first earmark, there was full compliance, full cooperation to the Holy Spirit. Number two, Joshua and Caleb carried an ability to navigate through conflict. Your ability to navigate conflict tells me everything about you. I understand here at church, everybody's looking good. Praise God. You look, you dress nice. You got a smile on your face. What I'm looking for to measure spiritual maturity in your life is let's drop a little conflict on you and see how you do. When someone doesn't like you or someone corrects you, let's see how you respond. When someone doesn't agree with you, let's see how you, how's your marriage? Let's talk to your spouse about your guys' conflict resolution. What we do is when we get in conflict, we pull out all the guns, all the ammunition. I borderline did it the other night. We were talking, and Allison was bringing up something I do. She's like, yeah, well, you do this, do this. And I was like, well, no, but you, you do this. And she was like, but she's like, Brandon, you're doing that thing. And I'm like, oh, yeah. We have this rule. If she calls out something in me, I don't have the right to call out something in her in order to defend myself. No, no, she gets to call it out. She gets to fillet me. As Mick would say, go ahead and fillet me. Call it out. Like, just get me. And next, 
the, tomorrow we'll deal with the other stuff. I'll get you back. I'll fillet you back. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Sorry. Let me put this on. Oh, no, no, no. I'm mature now, right? I'm mature. So I can handle correction. I won't throw up on you if you rebuke me. It's okay. Relational, emotional maturity, guys, is, is everything. I am over those who say they are so spirit-led, who love God, who are just filled with the Holy Ghost, have dreams, visions, signs, and wonders. They do all of those things, and yet they have no friends. Nobody likes them. Guys, that's not godly. I'm sorry. If you come to me with that stuff, I'm just like, no, I'm not dealing with that. We need to sit down. You need some counsel. We need to go through emotional healing. We need to go through the deliverance. We need to go through whatever it is to get you right. You shouldn't be so spiritual that you're repellent to other believers. I get the world's not going to like you, but there's something to be said if there's 200 people in this room and nobody likes you. I mean, aren't we all spirit-filled? Like, we, I know we're growing in love, but if no one likes you and you have no friends, that speaks more about you than them. So I'm over it. And to be honest with you, one of the biggest struggles in my walk with the Lord is that I've been jaded by people like that who say one thing and do another, who have all this zeal and passion for God, but their life is just like, wait, wait, what? You're preaching and your life behind the scenes looks like that? Just, no, that's out of bounds. You need a holy timeout. Come sit on the bench, be a bench warmer. There's nothing wrong with being a bench warmer. You can cheer the team on and you can get healthy and get right and we'll get you in the game ASAP. But until then, come sit next to me. Or better yet, go sit in uh, Marie's prayer room. And don't take over the prayer meeting. Just pray. Just agree with what they're praying. Here we, I'm telling you, here we go again. So spiritual, so Holy Spirit filled. You just take over the meeting. You've never been in the room before. You've never been to a prayer meeting. But you'll just like take over and just swallow the whole thing. And everyone's like thinking, man, did the Holy Spirit just leave the room? And we're like, yeah, yeah. But for some reason, you think he didn't. I'm like, no, no, he, we all agree. He left because you walked in. <laughs> I told you I'm going to kill a demon. <laughs> so Pastor Pope, <laughs> you could tell him I took that from him. <laughs> Ability to navigate through conflict, guys. That's crucial. That's the second earmark, okay? That's talking about relational, emotional maturity. Peter Scazzaro says this. I love this. I will always say that. He said, it's impossibly to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally unhealthy. Period. Jesus was spiritually mature, and he was emotionally mature. Okay, number three. The third earmark of spiritual maturity is this. Your ability to bear a burden. Your ability to bear a burden. What do I mean by that? God is going to place some things on your heart. He placed some things on Joshua and Caleb's heart. There is, in Numbers 14, there was huge conflict. They came back. You had 10 spies say one thing. Joshua and Caleb said another. 
They give the report. The people of God just start crying out, wailing and flailing. Aaron and Moses fall to the ground. They didn't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, Joshua and Caleb rise to the occasion. Do you not think there was a burden placed upon them to rise and to speak in that moment? And here's how they spoke. It says that, one, they tore their clothes, which is a sign of their heart was torn, and that they spoke to the congregation. They didn't yell or become overly offended and hate the people. Let's compare that to Numbers chapter 20. Okay, the people of God are complaining. They need some water. So the Lord says, hey, Moses, speak to the rock and water will come out. Well, what's Moses do? What's he do before he strikes it twice? He says this. Go read it. Numbers 20. He says, hear now, you rebels. Well, Moses never used that language before. And then he strikes the rock twice. I believe that is a picture Moses failed to carry the burden of the Lord rightly. Some of us, we have a burden from God, and we come around, and we're just criticizing people. We're striking people. We're not speaking to them. They don't care about God more than you. We do all these weird things when God puts a burden on our heart. And we need to learn as a people how to bear the burden of the Lord. You have to get up under it for yourself. You can't push it on everyone else. That's called immature. That's the diaper right there. That's what babies do. God puts something on your heart. Now i got to force you all to, believe, to have the same burden as me. No. You got your burden. I have mine. I need to bear up under it. That's called spiritual maturity. Watchman Nee says this about bearing burdens. This is, this is really powerful. He says, suppose a brother is preparing to speak God's word. He may have the word and a burden in his spirit, and the burden may be very heavy. But if he does not have the suitable thoughts, his burden can never be released. In the end, even his burden will disappear. We do not despise the burden, but even if our entire spirit is full of burden, this burden is useless and bound up if our mind is not fruitful. We cannot save men with our burdens alone. The burden in our spirit must be released through our mind. After we have a burden within us, we still need a mouth. We still need a voice and the help of the body. The trouble today is that while our inner man is available to receive a burden from God, the mind in the outer man is too busy and confused. From morning to night, it is giving its own suggestions and expressing its own opinions. There is a prophetic nature woven into the DNA of this church, and that means God is going to speak to you specific burdens for you to carry, and he's going to speak to us corporately about specific burdens to carry. We need to learn how to carry them. We need to learn how to give voice to them. We need to be more clear in our communication when it comes to burdens. What we do in the natural, we just get angry. We're frustrated. We're, not, we're tense all the time. Like, I can't come around you because you got a burden. You're going to try to throw it on me and make me feel bad because I don't have one yet. Some of you don't have a burden, and that's okay if that's where you're at, but you need to get one. You need to get some type of care and concern. 
about the things of the Lord. I remember I used to I used to carry the burden of the Lord, and I'd be driving home from work, and you know Allison and the kids are at home, and I got the burden of the Lord, and I walk into the house, and I'm like, babe, I got this burden, man. And I'm over doing my thing, you know, doing, and uh, she's like, hey, how are you? And I, I just can't talk because I'm just, I got the burden of the Lord. I can't talk to you right now, babe. I can't help with the kids. No, 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 you got the kids. I got the burden of the Lord, right? Come on, come on, babe, you got it. Make dinner too while you're at it. <laughs> it ain't that hard watching the kids. This burden make me hungry. I need some food. Come on, boo, let's go. Laundry, I need some socks. You know, I got a game tomorrow. I need my socks. I got this burden. And I come home. I'm, I'm all over the place. And the Lord had to teach me how to carry a burden. He taught me how to just, when I get home, Lord, I give this back to you or I tuck it in my back pocket. Because when I come home, my family doesn't need Pastor Brandon. They need dad. They need hubby. That's what they need. They don't need the burden of the Lord. Because I, I, walk, I walk in, Alice is like, what's, what's wrong with you? And Josie and Zeke are just wanting to play and fight. And they don't, they're not registering what I'm, what I'm dealing with. It's not their fault. It's my responsibility. Learn how to bear a burden. Number four, the fourth earmark, spiritual maturity in the life of Joshua and Caleb, spiritual agreement or unity of the spirit. That's something that I believe we have to work together at. It doesn't mean that we agree on every little dot and tittle. It doesn't mean that. What it means, though, even when we don't agree on those things, there's something behind that, and that thing is called unity. Here's what we do. We don't agree on something. All of a sudden, my heartstrings that have been connected to your heart are kind of cut. One of them's cut. I don't agree with you on that. Oh. You don't agree with me on that? Oh, okay. And before you know it, we don't even like each other anymore. There's no unity. But we say, oh, no, no, no. I love you, brother. We're good. We're good. Well, how come we don't hang out anymore? It's because you have a problem. Joshua and Caleb, they spent 40 days spying out this land. Do you not think within 40 days they're hanging out with the other 10 guys and they're all kind of talking and Joshua and Caleb are like, man, like Joshua, do you, dude, they don't believe the the word of the Lord. Like they don't think we can take it. What do we do? It's like, oh, well, let's, hey, you and I come into agreement. We don't know about them, but we're going to agree with the word of the Lord. And that's what God is asking us to do as a body. We have to agree with the word of the Lord, the Logos word, and the Rhema word. What's the Rhema word? Oh, right here. If you agree with these things, you should start praying these things. You should start talking about these things. I believe the greatest enemy to our spiritual unity, our spiritual agreement, It's going to be complainers. It's going to be those people who don't know how to communicate, but they know how to complain. If you look at, we need to read this. I feel the Lord on this. We need to read this. Numbers 14, 
Forgive me for the time. And the Lord spoke, uh, verse 26, and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with this evil uh, congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints with the children of Israel make against me. So say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. And what do you know? It was the generation that complained the most. They did not make it into the promised land, the fullness of the Lord. If we go back to Numbers chapter 11, guys, this is really sobering. Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. Now, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. So, it unders in there. It gets worse. So the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some outside in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried out to Moses, and when Moses prayed to the Lord, the fire was quenched. So he called the name of the place Tabera because the fire of the Lord had burned among them. In other words, God released immediate judgment on the people of God because they were complainers and not communicators. So I'm just going to put everyone on alert. If you want to disrupt the unity of the spirit, start complaining. If you want to contribute to the unity of the spirit, start communicating. Let's start having conversations. Let's talk about some things. Amen, Rubes. Amen, girl. Okay, number five. The fifth earmark of spiritual maturity in their life. You won't find this literally written out, but you have to assume this. Is that Joshua and Caleb walked in a spirit of prayer. In order for them to accomplish the things that they accomplished, It's a no-brainer. In Numbers 14, when everyone's in confusion and chaos, they rise to the occasion with the word of the Lord. In Joshua 1, God begins to speak to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. I'm calling you to it. In Joshua 6, he gets the game plans on how to overcome Jericho. How do you think he did all that stuff? Just hanging out watching TV, eating potato chips, watching basketball? How do you think they did it? Prayer. One of the things I believe that is the Lord is changing in this community, and it was Megan. She shared it last Sunday. The the Holy Spirit just like dropping this kind of bomb in our community. One of the things I believe the Lord is very serious about changing, it's our prayer culture. We can talk about there being a prayer culture here. We can like the idea of it, but my question is, are we really doing it? Are we really about it? There is a mandate on this house for prayer and intercession. I used to think, and the Lord's correcting me on this, I used to think prayer was just mostly assignments. Pray for this person, pray for that person. 
And that's, that's true. God will give you an assignment for prayer. But corporately and collectively, he is also placing his mandate on this community for the place of prayer and intercession. I believe it. I was talking with Dave and Barry, and they're like, yeah, you're right. And some of you are thinking, well, I'm not good at intercession. I don't, I don't, that's not me. Can I tell you? It's all of us. All of us have this letter I just right here on our chest. It means intercessor. God wondered in Isaiah 59, Ezekiel 22, he wondered why there was no one to stand in the gap. You ever think about God wondered? What do you mean, God, you know it. What are you wondering? He's just thinking, like, man, I created this person and this person, and man, I just thought they would, I thought they would just get in the gap and pray. I thought they were so mature that they would lay down their agenda and pick up my agenda. Man, I'm just, I'm baffled. So what's he do? That's Old Testament. What's he do? He says, okay, no one wants to pray. I'll come and do it. He sends his son who becomes our chief intercessor. And now Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, forever making intercession, but here's the thing. He's looking for friends. He's looking for just a couple people. I'm being nice when I say couple. He's looking for this whole body to jump in the game with him. He's looking for some friends who would linger a little late in the night to pray, who would wake up just a little bit earlier. I don't care if it's five minutes to pray. Can, can God really look at this community and say, I got, there's, and he's looking, he's like, there's a lot of churches and that church is doing whatever and that church is a lot, but right there, right there in Lakeland, Central Florida, that church, Jesus, Holy Spirit, like that church, that's my friend right there. They're, they're friends. You, let's give them some assignments. But here's the thing. Here's what I'm learning, guys. The fuel for our prayer and intercession in this community, it's not going to be our zeal. It's not going to be hatred of, of, of darkness. It's not going to be based on we have so much passion for God and we're just so much better than everyone else. That's not going to be the fuel for our, for our intercession as a community. You know what the fuel of our intercession is going to be? We all know this verse, John 3, 16. Some of us don't like intercession because we're like, it's too hard and it's too loud and I'm just, it's not me. Hello, I'm introverted too. But when you get a hold of John 3, 16, and you think about why did God come down and become the man to intercede. Why did he do all this? John 3, 16. He so loved the world. God so loved the world. It is the love of God that's going to fuel our prayer and intercession. His love for you and I individually, his love for us corporately, and his love for those out there. If we get in touch with the love of God, who knows what we could do?
But some of us were running around with this on, and it's time to take it off, gird up your lines, pick up the sword of the Spirit, and begin to fight. Because of the prophetic nature that's woven into the DNA of this church, the Lord is opening up deeper realms of his spirit in the place of prayer. He is calling us to the wall of intercession and the need for spiritual maturity and spiritual agreement are essential in order for us to obtain our corporate inheritance and to see his glory descend upon our city, our county, our region. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would put the burden of the word of the Lord upon the hearts of your people. Before we start planning, before we start drawing up all these things, I pray that we would get to the place of prayer. Lord, I pray that we would lay aside our ideas of what the future looks like and what the next step for this community looks like. And we would find ourselves in prayer meetings. We would find ourselves in the secret place we would find ourselves in fellowship with you just a little bit more than before. Father, I pray for the spirit of prayer to rest upon this place, that you would inspire our hearts by the Holy Spirit to be a friend to you. Lord, you only reveal your secrets to friends. So I ask God that you would open up deeper realms of prayer and of your Holy Spirit, that you would call us forth to maturity. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Well, I plan on doing an altar call, but I don't think I'm going to do that. I would rather you go home and wrestle with this. I would encourage you to take this, read through these things. I'm praying for divine disturbances, for wrestles, for burdens to be given to you, for conviction, for passion, for the love of God to come over us. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. 
If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering, know that you're more than welcome. And if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com.